You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Mission Ridge. We are, uh, we're going to look back. We're going to do a one-off series we just came out of Advent, and next week we move into Genesis. We're going to spend eight weeks, I believe, on Genesis before um, the Lent season. I always get Advent and Lent mixed up. I want to say the opposite for the different seasons. But uh, So today we thought we would take a look back on 2019 and then look forward at 2020 and talk about what we sense God calling us to as a church. Now, how many of you thought about your New Year's resolution already? No, we got a couple. Give me an example of a New Year's resolution for you guys. A vision for the future. A vision for the future. Okay. Jack, you, uh, did you raise your hand? No, no New Year's resolution for you. Okay. I, um, I've resolved to make no New Year's resolution. That's, uh, that's my resolution. So I'm not sure if that's allowed, but that's, that's what I'm doing. I actually uh, started working out a month ago so that I would actually just continue, you know, not even make this a January 1st thing, but I, uh, I knew how much I would eat over the holiday season. I needed to uh, be preemptive there. So you know, there's something about January 1st that makes us want to kind of look back and reflect and look forward and dream about what's possible. So we're going to do that today. Um, 2019, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but we had some challenges. We had some challenges as a church. The hardest we faced, the hardest thing that we faced was just recognizing we're where Paul was at. Paul was our previous lead pastor. He's, he's my friend. Um, he was my friend first and my partner in ministry. And um, I did not know how much my friend was hurting. And um, it, came, it became apparent that Paul was abusing alcohol in a way that had me significantly concerned about his safety. And um, taking Paul to treatment was one of the hardest days of my life, both personally and professionally. And it's hard for me to separate the two. You know, in the military, I could separate the two, my military job and my, my life. Like, they were two separate worlds, but this is more personal. And again, Paul's my friend. And as a church, we had to come together and determine if we were going to continue doing services. The partnership team had considered uh, stop doing services, but we came together and, and you guys very clearly said, we want to do services. And so we've continued. And Logan and I had to take on new roles that a year ago we weren't expecting to be pressed into. New responsibilities. We had a couple families that start leading care groups out of that. And so um, those were probably our biggest challenges. 
probably our next biggest challenge was not being able to use the Hilton Garden Inn every weekend. I think it was five times last year we had to find something else to do. And so we met in homes as care groups. We served Mountain Home Montana and around McDonald House back in May. And the cool thing about that is that continued again in December. So um, we had the ladies choose to serve the Ronald McDonald House. Our care group chose to serve Mountain Home, Montana. And so we've, those relationships have just continued. And then we went camping. I got to visit Sealy Lake for the first time. And man, what a beautiful spot. And we held services out there. And it was just a great time to connect with each other for those of us that are able to make it. That was the part I didn't like. Only about half of us were able to get there. And, um, and so I didn't like that piece, but I liked the, the ability to just connect with people in deeper ways. Maybe the most exciting thing we did was generosity feeds. Um, thank you, Kevin, for all of your tireless work on that, but we uh, packaged 10,926 meals for the backpack program for the food bank. Wow. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. Um, God's got some bigger plans this year. I'll tell you about that here in a few minutes. But um, churches our size don't take on those kinds of projects. I mean, $10,000 is a lot of money to raise. We raised $11,000. And, um, and Generosity Feeds doesn't work with organizations that are as new as we are and have as the number of people that we have and the resources available that we have. Like they're, they're used to dealing with like the big churches down the street. But God, I think, wanted to put himself on display and so we went with it. Uh, this year we had 10 young adults become members of a church for the very first time. That excites me. We had a baptism in November and uh, Nitra is so cool to see how God continues to work in your life, we've had five baptisms overall, and I'm really excited about that. I want, I want to be a church that baptizes people. And then some key partnerships, uh, Christ and Youth, Young Life, Watson's Children's Shelter, CareNet, I already mentioned Ronald McDonald House and Mountain Home, Montana. And then financially, we're in a much better spot. I want to just kind of share some numbers with you guys. So we have support. We have folks from outside of Montana, largely. Um, one family, I believe in Bozeman, but the rest are outside of Montana that support us until we get large enough where we're self-supporting. Um, 2018 average was $705, 902 in 2019. So that grew. Uh, weekly offering, that's what... That's what you contribute, uh, 1067 in 2018 and 2019, $1,400. So that has grown. Probably my favorite number is the giving units. This is only on the offering side. This doesn't count support. And that's the number of families per week that are, that are supporting Mission Ridge. And seeing that number grow tells me that people in more and more you know, are, are buying in. 
And so that's, again, that's probably one of my favorite numbers. So financially, we're in a much better spot than we were uh, this time last year. Let's talk about goals for 2020. Generosity feeds. I mentioned that we packaged nearly 11,000 meals. Uh, again, Kevin's maintained conversation with the folks with generosity feeds. And instead of one town, one church in one town tackling this problem with uh, kids uh, showing up to school hungry, um, there's going to be six, six towns. And uh, we're looking to package 100,000 meals in one day. And so um, we get to be a part of that. I'm excited for that. Uh, we're looking to gauge with our neighbors. That's something that I really sense that God has asked us to do. I felt like the last six months we've been kind of in a healing mode from just some of the things that we've experienced as a church. And it's okay to take that time to heal. But now it's time to start engaging with our neighbors and the, the community directly ar around this office space is, is what I want to focus on. And so we're going to look for serve opportunities. I like to be the neighborhood church. I like to be the place where people can just walk down the street and uh, worship the Lord. We're looking to have two Easter's by Sunday. Um, as you could tell, this fills up pretty quickly. Um, we have more chairs, so we could we could actually get more people in here. Um, and then when we have children's ministry going, which should happen pretty quickly, um, they'll be just on the other side of this room. Um, and so that changes the dynamics in here a little bit too. And so young families could come in and feel safe and the kids will have space. We'll have space for adults. So we could grow that way, but we're going to have to eventually grow to have two services. And so by Easter time, we're looking to do that. And then this is a temporary location. I don't anticipate us being here long term. And so that's something we'll be praying about. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, I've got some ideas that may be crazy, um, but... Our God's crazy, so maybe they're God's ideas. Who knows? Um, but we, we would like to move this year. Um, and we'll need eight care groups by fall if we grow the way we think we're going to grow. And so from our standpoint, that means Logan and I are preparing leaders, preparing people to step into those roles so that we have the ability to grow if God chooses to bless us that way. And then we want to create a culture of worship. And our worship nights once a month is, is pretty important to Logan and I. This is something that Logan's passionate about, something I'm passionate about. And uh, our God is a big, amazing God. And for us to slow down and take time to just celebrate him for who he is, I think is super, super important. And to teach people how to do that because, you know, I listen to a lot of music over my life. Some of it I would not play in this room. Um, you know what I mean. I've grown up a little bit. But um, I mean, worship is, or music is fantastic, right? Uh, we go to a football game and we jump up and down. We get excited. Uh, we got really excited over the uh, 49ers earlier, right? And we got one 49er fan and 
Is there only one 49er fan in here? Steve's a big guy. I'm not worried about him. <laughs> yeah. I remember the Joe Montana days. I, yeah, that was one of my that's when I first started watching football or really enjoying it. But um, and we jump up and down for our sports teams. We jump up and down. We get excited about music. Uh, we, we learn lyrics. I want to jump up and down for our God and do that together and, and seek his face together and pray together and pray for things that matter. And, uh, and so that's something that's a goal for us as a staff. Well, how do we... How do we make some of these dreams, some of these goals, like what's the practical day-to-day look like for each of us? We just came out of Advent season where we looked at what it means to actively prepare for the second Advent of Christ. And when Jesus was talking about that, he shared a number of parables, but we're going to look at two of them because they, I think they pertain to what it is that's going to really propel us forward, move us forward as a church. So we're going to take a look at Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. For it would be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Now this word talents, the most plain way of understanding that is money. Okay? But I don't think that's just what Jesus is talking about. I think he's talking about things bigger than money here. And then he went, then he went away. And he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here, I made you five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also had received the one talent came forward. And I want you to focus in on what he says here. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, gathering where you have scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, said, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he who has an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 
and cast a worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So just a, a plain reading of this. Jesus says that each of us has been given, what, time, money, talents to invest. And whether our talent level in each of those areas is a five, a two, or a one, and, and sometimes life circumstances changes that for each of us. I've, there's been some periods of my life where I had more time than money. And other times we had neither. We won't talk about talent level. We won't talk about that. But um, God asks us to invest, to grow, to move his kingdom forward. But to a Jewish audience, when they hear the number five and the number two and the number one, they're not just thinking quantity. They're not just thinking, well, this guy has more than this person versus this person. Like five to one ratio, like that's just, this guy's way more. They're not thinking quantity. They're thinking about something else when they hear those numbers. Can anybody tell me what the number five represents to the Jewish audience that Jesus is speaking to? Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Yeah, Torah. We call it Pentateuch. Uh, They call it Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible. When you say Torah to a Jewish person, they're thinking all of Scripture. That's, That's what they picture. So Jesus is saying that one of the servants is engaging in all of God's scripture. Now, two, think about Moses coming down the mountain. What did he carry with him? Two tablets that had the Ten Commandments. And so the second servant, he had, he or she, I guess it was a he, uh, they had, um, they were invested in God's commands, Invested in God's commands. So the first servants invested in all of Scripture. Like they're, they're looking at everything that God says. They want to understand God's heart about everything and let God speak to every area of their life. The, the second servant is, cons, is concerned about obeying the commands. My parents, before they came back to Christ, they actually were blessed by God in the way they operated their business. This is my perspective, but I saw them operate their business in a very godly way. It was the one area in their life at that time that they were being godly. (laughs) But God blessed them. Their business flourished because they lived in their business life like there was a God and treated people well. That was good. But later in their life, they started letting God speak to every area of their life, every aspect of their life. They started looking at the, all the scriptures. They didn't, they didn't just choose not to lie or steal or chew or go with girls to do. So, five, all the scriptures. Two, God's commandments. What about the one? One represents God. Hero. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And so from a Jewish mind, and this is how, by the way, they teach math. 
to their children during that time frame. They, they use these numbers, they use these pictures, these word pictures. And so one represents God. What's the problem with the guy that knows there's a, there's a God? What's his perspective of God? Yeah, he's angry. He's mean, vengeful. I'm afraid of you. That was his picture of God. Have you ever wrestled with that picture of God? Or watched someone close to you wrestle with that picture of God? And so that's what Jesus wants his disciples to hear. Like, if you're going to be ready for my return, invest in my scriptures. If you're not going to do that, at least obey the commands. If you're not going to do that, you're probably going to struggle in our relationship with each other. One of the ways I learned to connect deeper to God's word was to write it out. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, Aaron Couch, uh, he's on our eldership board. Uh, he was my boss in Moscow. He uh, challenged us as a staff to take a year to write out Torah. And so some of us hand wrote it out. Some of us typed it out, but made us slow down and look at the, when you go on word for word for word for word, you see things. You see things. I, I told a buddy of mine, he's a Messianic Jew. I said, um, I said I'm, we're doing this. And he said, wow, that's a very royal thing to do. I'm like, what? It's a very royal thing to do. Well, Deuteronomy 17, 18 says this, and when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he, being the king, shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. So the kings were supposed to write out Torah so that they would know Torah, so they could internalize it. And we did that as a staff. And I'll tell you, it opened my eyes to things that I never saw before and connected me to the scriptures in new ways. Jesus tells the next parable, and I think these parables are connected in more ways than what we imagine. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on the right, but the goats to the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit? 
And the king will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he'll say to those on his left, so he's talking to the goats now, right? Um, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Because, of course, we'd want to minister to Jesus, right? Then he'll answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did it, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will go away into an eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So two parables back to back. The one requires faith, requires hearing God, the voice of God, which we get through the scriptures and requires us to trust that God will lead and requires us to do something with our faith. That's the first parable. But the second parable is like it. Do you know the difference between a sheep and a goat when it comes to shepherding? Anybody hear shepherd sheep and sheep and goats? We need Molly. <laughs> Someone said of what <laughs> goats goats won't go with you, will they? Goats will not follow you. Goats are like my dog Stevie. Jasmine's dog Stevie. You say Stevie, come here, and Stevie looks at you like <laughs> you talking to me? <laughs> so in Shep. In, uh, in Israel, shepherds have both sheep and goats because they eat different things and they provide different things. Um, but the difference is they have no intent in making the goats go wherever they want to go because the goats are going to do whatever they're going to do. The goats are in close proximity to the shepherd, but they won't listen to the shepherd. They won't obey the voice of the shepherd. There's going to be a lot of people, Jesus says, that, that come to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons? And he says, I never knew you. Both of these parables require us to hear and obey the voice of God, to trust that God is going to lead us. It requires us to do something with our faith. We're going to take a look at a video. Um, it's a video of a couple young people from Valley Real Life. One of the pastors that shows up in this video uh, has actually been on our board, our partnership team. And uh, I'm really proud of Ryan and just the way uh, God used Ryan in this story. But we're going to take a look at Jace Malik's story. 
So this is a 30-minute video, and I want to get you out sooner than that. So I'm going to just summarize some of this story, but I, I wanted you to get a little bit of a feel of, of uh, the story. So in March of 2013, Libby was challenged by her pastor to pray for someone for 30 days. She placed her friend Jace's name on the baptistry, and she prayed for him. And as the story continues, they started dating, and Jace started attending youth group with her from time to time. But football and sports was Jace's number one, and he'll, he says that in the video. A year later in 2014, uh, July of 2014, Jace went to CIY Move, a week-long youth camp in Oregon, at Oregon State University. Our kids have, have been to that camp. It's outstanding. And Jace connected to the Lord in new ways there. His dad re- recalled getting a phone call from Jace during that time frame, and Jace just apologized for some things and kind of owned up to some things. And his dad said, I knew that I was talking to a different young man at the heart level. From the video, you can see that Jace was an outstanding athlete. His goal was to play college football and go on to the NFL. Well, in fall of 2014, Jace was making headlines for, his, for what he was doing on football field, and the University of Idaho took notice and offered him a scholarship. But in January of 2015, Jace's right hip gave out during a wrestling match. He was wrestling the state champion from the state of Idaho. And he soon found that he had a large tumor on his right hip. He feared that his football days were over. But in February of that year, U of I honored his scholarship and told him to get healthy. So Jay started down the path of uh, recovery, started with chemo. And when he had the strength to do so, he would share his faith with the medical staff as they provide medical care. But one day he asked for the room to be cleared and he wanted only his grandfather to be left in the room. And so Jace had a conversation with his grandpa, Fred, and shared with his grandpa, said, Grandpa, I don't want to go to heaven without you. Well, Fred had been a lifelong atheist. He thought religion was for weak people, but he knew that his grandson wasn't weak. And so he came to Christ and uh, was baptized some months later. Jace had a profound impact on his coaches and and his teammates, even before he ever hit the field. I mean, his attitude as he was facing his cancer was just something that they couldn't quite comprehend. And so the plan was to remove the tumor and install a, a steel rod so that Jace could get back to football. But the uh, tumor grew. And so they took Jace's right leg. And um, September of 2015, Jace led the Vandals onto the field, riding in a cart as an honorary captain. His coach said that Jace epitomized all the values of the program and was an inspiration to the entire team. In October of that year, Jace and Libby married. And then on February 28th, 2016, Jace ran out of time in his fight with cancer.
But at the end of the video, Jason shared these words. Everybody has a limited time in life, whether it's 30 years, whether it's three months. Every breath you take is a privilege. It's not your right to have that breath. With every single day, give a little back to him because he was, has given to you. Every second he's given to you, he expects you to do something. You know, when Jace was talking about his relationship with the Lord before Libby started praying for him, he sounded kind of like the guy with the one talent. Like that's, you may start out with that attitude. You may start out being a one talent person when it comes to your relationship with God, but it doesn't have to stop there. And it's not written in stone. This story starts with a church that's willing to hear and obey the voice of God, to trust God to lead and to do something with their faith. But it continues because Libby chose to do those things as well. And then Jace chose to do those things. And then Jace's grandpa Fred chose to do those things. And there was countless others through the University of Idaho football program, Jace's friends, people that Jace engaged with at the hospital, Jace invested everything he had in God's kingdom. And he was close enough to God to hear God's voice so that he could obey. You never know how close you are to a miracle. We could look back on 2019 and look at all the problems. Or we could look back on 2019 and see all the opportunities see all the potential. Isn't that what a seed is anyway? Potential? So the application is this. We're asking you to make a commitment for a year. You could do one or all of these. You could pray for someone to receive Christ. Like Libby, you could pray for someone that's going to change, have a ripple effect of changed lives, of people knowing who Jesus is. You can handwrite Torah. It'll take a year, a couple of chapters, two, three chapters a week. I started out handwriting it, but I couldn't read it, so then I started typing it. <laughs> you could start a, dis a discipleship relationship. You Maybe you need to be discipled, or maybe you have been discipled and you need to be discipling others. But these are some things that we could be doing as a church. If we're doing these kinds of things, if we're praying for people, if we're engaging with God's word, if we're discipling and being discipled, Missoula will be forever changed because that's what God does. He changes people, changes stories. And I'm excited to see what God wants to do next. I'm excited to see the next person we get to baptize. I'm excited to see 
who comes walking through the door. I'm grateful to do this morning with you guys. We're going to take uh, time with communion here, and what's going to happen is we're going to pass out the elements, and we're going to ask you to hold the elements. And while we're doing that, I just want you to think about Jason's story and your story and what's God calling you to today. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Savior. In the same way, he took the cup after supper. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, I am so grateful for who you are. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you call us to yourself, that you, that your arms are wide open, that whatever entangled us in the past, Lord, whatever sin, whatever shortcoming, whatever failing, Lord, that we find forgiveness at the cross. We find redemption. We find a God that's willing to walk with us. Lord, we're excited to be on this journey with you, to be a church that follows you, to be a church that's changed by you, to be a church that's on mission with you. I pray that people will find this to be a safe place to do those things. Thank you for the way you loved us. Thank you for changing Jesus' story, Lord. The young man had so much joy, even within his last months, as he put this film together, Lord. Thank you that he was willing to share it with us. Loves just seeing the way you work in people's lives. May you be glorified in us, in this community, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.